When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's Minor League Podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Lavin and Thomas Henderson. How's everyone doing this week? Good. Good. This weather sucks. Yeah, it's just been so weird. It needs to be like 10 degrees colder so it's actual snow, or it needs to fuck off. Yeah, there's no one. Yeah, yeah. Global warming would definitely come in handy right now. <laughs> I mean, I'd prefer snow, but nothing's worse than icy rain. Yeah. Just miserable all around. Mm-hmm. Hell, giant hell. That's probably worse. Well, then one could say that is the largest of the icy rains. So. <laughs> yes. There's a different whole, whole subgroup, yes. All right. <clears throat> so promote extend trade first. And on this date back in 1962, President John F. Kennedy extended the Cuban embargo to include all goods. Previously, there was an exemption for food and for medicine, but he said no. And that's robbed us of a lot of things, including getting to see some of the greatest Cuban ballplayers that never defected. So if we could promote or extend or trade these Cuban legends, who are we going to pick? And I guess, uh, you know, promote, extend trade in this case. Trade is is uh, 
we send them back to Cuba. Oh no! Please, <laughs> no pressure. Ex- extend is uh, we give them that 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 visa and promote is their visa, you know, expire. Or no, extend will be we give them that green card. Mm-hmm. And promote would be, you know, they get the visa, but they have to go back. God so anyway, first is Alfredo Despagne. He was an outfielder for uh, the Alazanes de Granma, the the horses, more specifically the chestnut mares, which I think is very poetic. Um, over 12 seasons from 2004 to 2016, he hit I was going to say, I thought he was familiar. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He still plays now, actually. He's been playing in Japan. Yeah, but uh, he is a cumulative 352, 456, 655 hitter with 239 homers, 800 RBI, 59 stolen bases in, 30, in 93 tries, 545 walks, and 430 strikeouts. Next up is... Omar Linares, he's a third baseman. He primarily played for the Vegueros de Pinar de Rijo. They are the tobacco farmers, another good name. He has a cumulative 384, 524, 666 line over 16 seasons from 1985 to 2001. Well, I'm extending him, period. Uh, Mark of the Beast. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, um, and another thing that you will definitely like about him. So 172 homers, 584 RBI, 84 stolen bases, and 121 attempts, 714 walks, 254 strikeouts. <laughs> Jeez. You, you, you like that walk-to-strikeout ratio. You got yeah, that's, uh, get him out of this league. Usable. And last but not least is Frederick Cepeda. He is an outfielder who primarily played for the Gallos de Sancti Spiritus, the the Roosters, and he has a cumulative 331, 483, 563 batting line in 24 seasons from 1997 until today. He's still out there playing. Um, 275 homers, 1,067 RBI, 34 out of 68 stolen bases. 1,582 walks, 784 strikeouts. I think we're all extending Linares just because a 666 logging percentage. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say no to that. Yeah. So who are we we're all keeping? going straight to hell. Yeah, that, that's okay. Wait, we're Met fans. We're already there. That's very true. It comes down to Despani and Cepedo, and they're both very similar. They're both... Outfielders, they both, you know, are relative, are more recent players. They both have a lot of, uh, international experience. They both played in Japan. Flip a coin. <laughs> I think I'm, I think I'm extending, uh, I mean, yeah, Despagne. I think he's my choice. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Despagne too. Because his numbers are just a, a bit better. He has basically, you know, he he didn't walk. He walks a little bit less than Cepeda, and he strikes out a bit more. But I think he weighs outweighs it with the other stuff. Yeah, exactly. He has more power. He has more speed. And on the international, uh, what's a good word? 
in the end on the international stage he's had more of a, he's been the captain of the Cuban national team which is you know very big honor so yeah he's like a pretty like well-known player considering his never played in the US yeah cuz even as soon as you said that name I was like I know him you know like mm-hmm. like I knew the name immediately once I figured out that you weren't talking about a Trissimer to spun, I figured I knew who you meant, but <laughs> no. I remember him. Did he no hit the Mets or they actually did he they like, like almost no hit them? Yeah, they got hit in like the ninth inning or something. The eighth inning, yeah, when he was on yeah. the Padres and they still didn't have a no hitter. Yeah. It was soft tossing less lefties at the Mets are just like, Oh, I can't do it. That was like a soft tossing right hander. So they made a deal. Like with the devil, that anyone who throws below 93 or whatever, they can't hit him no matter what. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In order to get the franchise to exist. Well, Shay did what he had to do, I guess. Also, back in the day, you know, throwing over 93, that'll never happen. What? <laughs> they were like, yeah, think of the downside. It's, there's none. <laughs> Everyone <tops> whoops. <laughs> Big whoops. All right, so we're going to finish up our discussion of the prospect, our prospect list today. Um, the other main national outlets pretty much have all their lists released as well. The only exception is fan graphs. So first thing we're going to do, let's compare our lists uh, to theirs. Um, baseball prospectus, our list and theirs are like almost mirror images. One to seven are the same. Um, the first difference is eight, where they have Alexander Ramirez, and we have Nick Plummer. And Baseball Prospectus, they published a list in November before Plummer even signed, whereas we didn't um, start our rollout until New Year's, and we retroactively added Plummer in. So I'm guessing that if they could have included Plummer, they would have, and they I'm probably would have sure put him. Have. Yeah, they probably would have put him at eight as well. Which I'm pretty would, sure he was in that range for them. Like, yeah. It so bas- basically our top 10 is, I mean, they only go concretely 1 to 10, whereas we have the 25. So our lists are very, pretty much the same. And full disclosure, obviously, we're very close to the guys at BP. Jeffrey Padnostro, obviously, he's right here at Amazing Avenue. That's how we got to start. Jared Seidler, he's written, he's written, he's written, <laughs> he's written a couple of guests. <laughs> he has uh, wrote him. Yeah, <laughs> he's written a couple of guest articles on Amazing Avenue here and there over the years. I've run into both of them randomly at games. Uh, you know, we, we talk a lot. We I bounce mean, I've, ideas. I've been on their podcast. <laughs> yes, you've been on the podcast. They've been on our podcast. Uh, you know, we're our own entity here. But, you know, there's this overlap because we're, you know, seeing the same things. We're talking to each other. So it's no real surprise that, you know, we've. Our list and their list is very similar. It's also not. This isn't a system at the top that has a ton of variance, right? Like if you were looking at, oh, I'm trying to come up with a name here. I don't know, like the Cubs system or something. You could probably make some arguments mm-hmm. for different orderings at the top. But the Mets system, it's like all right, one through seven or eight is pretty much set, and then after that, it kind of doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> this year, now looking at Baseball America's next, this year, basically same thing happened with them. Their list is also published back in early November. Plummer's missing, but he would have likely been in their top 10. 
Um, since, you know, one to ten is basic, one to nine is basically all the same names over and over and just slight variations. Um, our list in there is a, are the same one through six. It deviates at seven, which is around where Plummer would be slotted in. So, you know, yada, yada, yada. Uh, the biggest difference though is their inclusion of Joel Diaz at nine, whereas he was unranked by us and technically would have been 32 based on the, the tallies of our votes. I pushed him up to 23. Mm. Uh, so what is your thought? What are your guys' thoughts on Diaz? Not not necessarily as a prospect, but being ranked number nine on like the Mets prospect list. Is it defensible? Yes, because the system is bad. <laughs> Would I put him that high? Obviously not, uh, because I don't like ranking guys who we have no stateside information on uh, that high. Like, this is how you get Robert, Robert Dominguez or how Jason Dominguez gets turned into a top 50 prospect, even though he's very much not. But, you know, that's a whole other topic. So, Vicente I, Lupo. Yeah. Kenny Hernandez. Mm. Uh, so I get it. I don't necessarily agree with it, but we also just said, like, anything past seven or eight in this system is uh, random, so whatever. I also feel like they have, a, like, an ability to get information on those guys that I just don't. Like, that is absolutely true. Like, yeah. like they are the go-tos for IFA-type guys, and I was talking about this elsewhere to someone else, but, like, I can't in good conscience rate a guy like that because I don't know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. the only thing I know about him is what the Mets are pushing. So, like... How am I supposed to say, like, how am I supposed to agree with him? I don't know if he's good. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I won't know if he's good until next. Maybe he pops. Maybe he's amazing and he goes into the top 15 and I look stupid. But I have to just go on what I know and what I could see. And maybe that's flawed and maybe that's not how I'm supposed to do it, But which is a larger discussion. But, like, how the fuck am I supposed to know what he, how good he is? The Mets are telling me how good he is. And I don't necessarily <laughs> want to trust the team, you know, whoever it is. Because they're not going to go say, oh, this guy sucks to anyone. That's just I mean, not. there's there's definitely potential there. Oh, sure. Like, he's a name to watch yes. for me and for everyone else, but he'll make his debut in, in the States or in the DS or whatever, and then I'll be able to get more information on him. But until then, go off Baseball America. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's just he's too, like you're saying, we just have too little information about him and, and what we do have like statistically is just very irrelevant. Like it looks awesome that he, he had a, a 0.54 ERA in 50.1 innings as a 17 year old in the DSL. Like that's awesome. Great. I mean, good, <laughs> but you know what? Remember Jose Medina, there were two Jose Medinas, one a pitcher and one the outfielder. Yeah. All right. The pitcher Jose Medina in the same DSL a couple of years. Well, at this point it's like 10 years ago, I guess, but he was 16 years old and he had a, yeah. 0.35 ERA in 52 innings in the DSL. So it's like, yeah, and his career did not pan out. I mean, his stuff was far inferior to Joel Diaz's, but like, if the numbers weren't like, you know, if it wasn't a zero in front of that 5-4, it would be a lot less interesting, and it wouldn't pop out off the page as much, and I think there wouldn't be as much hype for him, because stuff-wise, it's just very generic young pitcher, you know? Yep. 
he, yeah, he's one of those dudes who should be on everyone's radar. And if you if you're comfortable ranking him there, I get it. But also, I just I can't. Yeah, I just don't know. The stats are like particularly meaningless in like the Dominican League because they like only keep stats for like certain games that they're playing. You know, it's it's weird. It's like a it's, it's a, not like a real schedule. It's like they they'll play scrimmages and then games and then it's all arbitrary. You know. Yep. So yeah, that that is that is the I'm not going to say it's a red flag or anything like that, but that is like the biggest like whoa thing on the Baseball America list as compared to our you know thoughts and everything. Um, <clears throat> I basically ranked him solely on like I said, hey, let me check any fun DSL performances. I'm like, oh, 62 to nine strikeout walk ratio. Yeah, you can go in the 20s. No, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and no, probably there's... like that's one of the things that we will talk about later. But I should have done too, you know. Mm. But there is definite, but like like Thomas was saying, there's definite potential there. But we don't have enough information to. We don't have enough independent information to be like, wow, this guy is literally the ninth best pitcher in this entire organization, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he might be one day, God willing. Um. MLB prospect pipeline now, the last one. They haven't released a true 2022 uh, list yet, but they do readjust their previous year's lists, you know, mid-season, end-of-season, everything close enough. Um, nothing really, you know, nothing really crazy with them either. Um, you know, they have Viandros a little lower than everyone else. He's six instead of four, but that's, you know, it's whatever. Um, they have Ramirez in front of Lee and Palmer, which we and most other places have the opposite. But again, it's whatever. Um, and they have Robert Dominguez in a 10, and that's kind of a situation similar to Diaz. I think that's a little less, I think that's a little more defensible because I think that's fucking ludicrous, honestly. Well, I'm just saying as compared to Diaz, if you're going to rank, you know, Diaz 9 and you're going to rank Dominguez 10th, I think you have more of a solid footing ranking Dominguez 10th than you do ranking Diaz 9th. I disagree with that too, honestly. I think uh is the range of outcomes for Diaz broad it's it's, it's the very much a Schrodinger's cat situation, right? We haven't observed the Schrodinger's cat that is Diaz. So the range of outcomes is wide, and there's a high-end outcome there. Dominguez, we got some complex looks, and they were fucking bad. Uh, And he's already 20. The velocity didn't hold. Like, I don't – like, the absence of evidence is better than the presence of bad evidence, to me at least. That's a fair way of looking. I I was looking at the opposite way. At least we have some – Evidence of what yeah. he is, as opposed to Joel Diaz, which we really we have like three gifts, you know, three grainy gifts from like <laughs> very far away. Mm. Well, blame Rob Manfred for that. <laughs> There's a lot of things we could blame Rob Manfred for. That's one of them. Well, with all that in mind, like. What is you – know, we'll move on to like the next segment now, just kind of like a retrospective. What kind of broad philosophies do you guys kind of use when you're making up your lists? Like do you put more stock in numbers as opposed to just you know what random 
sources from scouts and, and eyewitnesses or whatever are saying? Do you like proximity to the majors as opposed to all potential? Like where do you, where do you guys like, what's your sweet spots and everything? I'll give an example. So for me, like, um, I definitely weigh present a little bit more than potential. Um, like I'll use Matthew Allen for uh, example. I put him a little further down because there is some uncertainty about his return from Tommy John and everything and how long it's going to take him to come back and, and regain his uh, fastball and curveball and, and everything like that. So I'm a little more cautious and I'm a little hesitant to put him as high as some other people did. Um, I like to em- emphasize like individual tools like Brian Matwire and Levi David, for example. They have those ungodly curveballs. There's also a lot of warts for both of them. But I think that it's easier to teach a guy how to like harness that power than to teach a guy how to throw something like that to begin with, you know? Um, yep. like IFAs signings that happen in mid January, like we already had our lists done and everything already. So they kind of weren't eligible, but even if they were, even if the, the signing period was back over the summer, I don't think I would have ranked them at all. Like Simon Juan, the nearest. Yeah. Because like we were saying before, you know, it's all potential and how do you rank a guy, you know, a 16-year-old kid who's never even suited up before, but he does have high potential, possible potential, higher I mean, than does some... he? <laughs> like, we don't well, know. Right, like... that's the thing. Like, he's said to have, have have potential by guys that know. So, like, okay, I'll take their word for it, but there is a good chance that he doesn't live up to that potential. So is he a better player than someone that maybe has a little less potential, but they are a little further on in the development and they've proven like, okay, they, they were supposedly, they supposedly had power and like, wow, they are showing it, you know? Yeah. But all those IFA guys are like, oh yes, he is, he has the bat of Mike Trout and, and, <laughs> and the glove of Willie May. And I'm just like, all right, whatever. I don't care anymore. Just like, like as soon as you start doing stuff like that, like, oh, he's a switch hitting Andrew Jones. I'm like, okay, we're out. We're, we're done here. We don't have to continue this conversation because it's is, all, though. It's it's all puff pieces by teams and stuff who want you to think the guy's good. And maybe he is, and of course some of them are, but also like I could I could rank Simon Juan in two years when he hits three fifty in the DSL. You know what I mean? <laughs> like like I don't have to I don't have to rush to rank the sixteen year old kid who they signed two days ago. Like mm-hmm. I mean I definitely have more faith in BA's DSL rankings and oh, sure. MLB oh, yeah, pipelines. No. Um, but even they are probably mostly relying on team sources because these guys get hidden for years yeah, and at the time. And those dudes are not, like, in the DR six no. months out of you're watching them. No. Like, that's just the reality of the situation. Mm-hmm. I think I, more than uh, everyone else, use lean more on the numbers. A, because I'm a mediocre at best scout, and B, that's just, like, my thing. Um, so for instance, like I look a lot at, I mean, I, I kind of do the Sandy Alderson move of, I'm just going to sort by strikeouts. I actually sort by strikeouts minus walks. <laughs> so I'm a little bit at Sandy circa 2015 at least. Um, 
But then I also like to think about Major League role a lot, and and finally, what we're best at fixing at the Major League level, um, which is why, for instance, I might be lower on a guy like Ronnie Mauricio, because that's not something that gets fixed at the Major League level, as opposed to... Oh, there aren't even good examples in the Mets. Like Travis Blankenhorn, maybe I'm higher on because I see the flaws there as as fixable, and I see an immediate major league role. So, I, I guess my point is I just lean more on stats questions and think about uh, a, approach for hitters a lot more than swing aesthetics or things like that. Which I'm not saying is right, just the way I go about this. Oh no, there's there is no right or wrong. It's just what you value more and, and think is more important. And you bring up also a very interesting point that there is that there's two ways of like looking at the, all this kind of stuff. You can look at it in a vacuum. You could just say like, okay, here are these players that are in the minor leagues give a, a ranking of okay, who is who is the best and who is you know and you, and gradually getting worse or whatever. And then you could also add in the factor of like, okay, these players are ultimately gunning for jobs in the major league like certain situations certain guys have more of a chance to actually get that you know so is is a guy that you know is an okay prospect and he you know like like look at it like a, a reliever or something like guys profiles that get called up and down fairly regularly is a guy like that more of a success as a prospect and and as such a better prospect because he actually reaches the majors than a guy like Ronnie Mauricio or or Shervian Newton that have like all this limitless potential but they in Newton's case hopefully not Mauricio's case that could flame out you mm-hmm. know I, I think it's an argument for like looking at the floor of a prospect too like mm-hmm. no one really cares about a, a prospect's floor and I get why because it's not like exciting like no one ever thinks about like that's just boring but also it matters because if the floor is 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 the bottom of, of nothing, then you get nothing out of the like. There's nothing there. Mm-hmm. Like if Mauricio goes wrong, he's not even going to make the majors, or he won't even be like a good contributor. Like he just might be a bad baseball, a major league baseball player. But there's some dudes who you would look at them and be like, yeah, even if he doesn't reach a ceiling, there's a floor of like a utility player or something, and like that stuff matters too because. Mm-hmm. Even if the the he busts out like a Jerickson Profar is a bust, but he could play, you know, mm-hmm. like like he's 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 not a star, he's not even a starter, but that's a valuable player on good baseball teams constantly, and he'll always be considered a bust because people are like he's the best player ever, but you know that the Padres don't care. <laughs> how long is how long has he been playing? Like ten years now? Yeah, he debuted in two thousand twelve. How old is Jerickson, Jerickson Profar? Like 28. <laughs> he's 28. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. And he was, he's been in, in our consciousness forever, I feel like. Uh-huh. I feel like he's been, like, ever since I, like, really started following baseball, that was, like, a guy on the cover of magazines and shit. And now he's, like, a cool utility player for the Padres, and that's, like, fun. I think the other thing, and I'll add this, that's, like, my final comment on how I rank these guys, is a, a, a positional element to it in that I'm more willing to push up marginal pi- marginal pitchers, say Eric Orzi, um, Thomas Tapucky, Adam Aller, than 
marginal hitters like Carlos Cortez or, I don't know, like Nick Mayer or someone like that. Because I think on the major league side, it's easier to leverage your marginal pitchers than your marginal hitters. It's more important to have like 17 arms than it is to have a couple extra Carlos Cortezes lying around. Um, so that factors into my ranking as well. Carlos Cortez brings up a good point in general for me too, because like that's a dude who's very obviously a good minor league baseball player, like especially now, mm-hmm. but like you could just look at him, like you watch him and you're like, he's not going to be a good major league player. Like it doesn't matter that he's hitting low. Like, mm-hmm. like you could easily, like, if you're just scouting the sat lines there, you could be like, oh, he hit three, whatever. He's going to be good. No, like, he's not. Like, I'm telling you, he's not going to be. <laughs> and, like, you you have to rank him because of the because of what he did, but also you kind of know that it's not going to get anywhere, and that's those are the ones that are weird because, like, it's he's a quad A player probably, and those guys exist in the world, and they're hard to parse. Very true, very true. I like to think of things like, um, I like to think of what a player's like mean outcome is, and then based on what I see, you know, or scout-wise or in the numbers, how likely I think it's, it is that they, they, you know, beat that 50th percentile, you know, uh, outcome. So, like, I don't know... Like, uh, like, I guess, like, Matt Allen, 50th percentile outcome, you know, pretty good starter, but, or I, I guess if you were to compare Matt Allen versus JT Ginn, both have the same-ish 50th percentile outcome, like, mm-hmm. pretty good big league starter, but I see significantly more upside in Allen, therefore he's significantly higher on the list, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, that makes sense for sure. And then like just that. keep doing that all the way down. <laughs> yeah, that kind of plays into what Thomas was saying about floor and everything. <clears throat> yeah, like I think that's underrated in these discussions because rightfully so, everyone wants to discuss ceiling. But Right, it's it's not fun to be like, yeah, nope, we're going down the list 1 to 20, 1 to 25, 1 to 30, whatever. Nope, 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 nope. Like none of these guys are going to make it. Although the Mets have had a very good... Success rate for minor leaguers the last like five, well, not re- really the last decade, I guess. So, mm-hmm. I mean, going back like the Harveys and the Wheelers and the, they've had a shocking amount of success. Yeah, yeah. for how bad their process has been, is like the best way to put it. I think. <laughs> well, because I feel like prospects are like either really good or just total non. Yeah, pretty much. It's it's all like, or nothing. Like they, they 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 never get that median outcome. Like, yeah, this guy's a good bench player. Like that guy just doesn't exist. The Mets have to pay him three million dollars because they can't develop it. But they've developed Degrom, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and like Conforto was a really good player for a long time outside of last year, but I think that was a fluke. And like Nemo and guys like that. But there's never really they don't get the call ups of the of the. I, I was going to say Jake Cronenworth, but he's like a starter. But you, like go those like median type guys who mm. end up really something or end up being like useful. Like I feel like the Mets never have like Luis Guillorme, and that's it. Like, mm. and he's a utility infielder, you know. Tra- and that's Plankenhorn. Love. I mean, yeah, like Plankenhorn's a guy like that. If they develop that, then that'd be perfect. 
And I mean, I mean Norman's because of his glove. It's not like the Mets taught him how to field. He knew how to do that before. Okay, I think part of why that is is because the Mets have historically done very well at the top of the draft and not particularly well <laughs> anywhere else. That's a very kind yeah. way of putting that there, Ken. So, you know, of course you end up with um, some very high highs uh, and some, like, freak happenings in there, too, like DeGrom. Um, of course, but that's like, I mean, I don't know how much the Mets did that, and it's just... They they just, just never had the, uh, the depth because, well, they draft well up top. They've right. struggled down the line. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that is, you know, that's basically how we made our list. And anyone that ha- I mean, I don't like like we've mentioned many times before, like your the teams one through nine or so, like it's basically the same exact names, very minimal variations in it from source to source to source, list to list to list. And then from, you know, 10 to however far down the individual list was going, like, you could really just plug in whatever you want, whatever names you want, based on just your own personal feelings and what you're looking for and everything. So for everyone out there, you know, I hope that kind of explains why, you know, 10 through 25 are where they are on our list. And then, you know, obviously other lists out there, people have different methodologies so that's why you know you'll see some variants i kind of wish we did tiers instead of ranking lists but i get why we have we do lists mm-hmm. tradition and just people want lists it's just more satisfying that way Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Now, obviously, the lists are done and everything like that. When did we finish? I think we submitted our lists in the end of November. I think it was around Thanksgiving, right? Yes. All right. So. Uh, basically two months have passed. We've had time to chew on things. Really, is not there. Really, hasn't been much new information uh, out there. But you know, you, you you think about things, you look at things, you say to yourself, hmm. And you know, if you guys could have one do-over, where you could change where you put a guy on the list, good or bad, you know, move a guy up, move a guy down. Who would it be? Why? You know, well, what's going on? What's your thought process? Uh, I forgot to rank Jose Peroza because I'm bad at my job. And so I would like to redo that and put him like, I don't know, 17th. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Lucas is bad at his job. Yep. Yep. 
send emails to uh, Amazing Avenue at whatever dot com and tell Chris to fire me immediately. <laughs> Let's see. I ranked Jose Peroza eighteen. Uh, Ken did not rank him either, and Thomas ranked him. 26. I put him 26. Yes. 26. I, wish, I wish I put him higher. I wish I put him on the actual list. I think he deserves to be. Yeah, it's probably my mulligan as well. Let's see. He would he would be 20. If we went past 25, he would have come in at 29. Between Stanley Consuegra and Carlos Rincon. Yeah, I think he's better than both of those dudes. Yeah, I, easily, I think he's better. I, I don't think anything about those dudes. So, like, like looking at our looking at our list of twenty five here, I'd rather have them: Robert Dominguez, Levi David, <sighs> Carlos Cortez is probably better than Jose Peroza. I hate to admit it. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, he's probably a better player right now. I don't know if he's a better prospect. Right. I'd rather have Blankenhorn, but I was the high guy on Blankenhorn, whatever. Rather have them Junior Santos, Brian Matoyer, Thomas Sapucky, Josh. Like, wow, wait, we were way too low on Peroza. Yeah, that's going to be one of those things where I feel like we could uh, feel bad about that one later on in the year. All right. Um, Thomas, who's your guy? Um... That my mulligan. I do kind of wish I put Peroza higher, um, just because like I actually have seen him and think that he there's a little something there, and I put him 26. But like the bottom of my list is just kind of boring. Like I didn't do any of the like exciting IFA guy at the bottom. I just put like Carlos Cortez 24 and Mangum 25, and that's like who cares about that? You know, well like where's the fun in that type of ranking? Because I don't think either of those guys are crazy high-level, like, ceiling guys. I think Mangum could be a fourth outfielder, and Cortez is going to be a kind of quad A, like I said before, cup of coffee guy who gets called up for, like, two weeks and then gets sent back down and gets called up when someone else gets hurt or he's, a like, a September call-up taxi squad thing, whatever they do with the new CBA. But, like, I don't know. I just kind of wish I had a little more fun at the bottom of the list because I picked low-ceiling guys and... Who cares about that at 25, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not, like, that's also not really what lists are for. It's supposed to be the top 25 guys. But I, when I was talking about floor and how important that is, like, ceiling is what we're here for. You're, you're here for the, for the, to put Alvarez one because he's the best prospect in the system and to talk about how good he could be. Like, that's part of the magic in it. And I was just kind of like, look at these floor guys. <laughs> I mean, it is part of it, but yeah, it is, uh, <clears throat> and a not non exciting part of it. Yeah, like like would 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 someone would anyone really miss me not putting I guess I would people think Cortez is good, but like it's, it's just kind of boring, like I said. And it'd be good content. Yeah. Cause you could easily I think make the case of as not being a top twenty five prospect in the system, but that's a different conversation. All right, so that was yours. Lucas is Ken. Your same thing with, with Peroza. Um, mine is going to be Dominic Hamill, and maybe I'm crazy, but I would put him in the top ten, probably at ten. 
That's, that's an interesting one. I do like Hamill, but he that's a... Uh... I don't know. Like, I, I really just wanted to jot down, like, you know, a little paragraph or two about it, and I ended up, like, going too overboard. And, like, <laughs> I, I don't know if I... I just hyped myself, I guess. You know, like, that kind of thing. <laughs> like, I have, a, I have a fucking, like, thousand-page document here now about it. <laughs> I mean, um, one thing about... Is that we do have the analytical data for him, and it's actually interesting... This is just kind of like a, a kind of meta thing, but it's interesting to see how we in the future, you know, like since this stuff is really starting to just trickle in, how we're going to start looking at guys differently with the data that we, you know, bet- between the guys that we have some data for and the guys that we don't have any data for. Because, you know, there could be players out there that have whatever the actual scattering report is, like, you know, his fastball moves very well. And it's like, okay, cool. And then you have a guy, yeah, his fastball moves well. It has a spin rate of, 27,000 RPM and you're just like, holy shit. Oh my God. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah. that I think is part of it. But if we didn't have Hamill's stat cast dead, I think he'd just kind of be like that kind of thing. Like, okay, cool. Nothing, nothing really jumps out at you. He's like an average fastball for right-handed pitcher, uh, curveball, slider, changeup, like the whole, the whole kitchen sink. You know, some are, are a little bit above average. Some are a little bit below average. And then there's not really too much of a track record from his time um, at, at Dallas Baptist. But then when you plug in that SACS data, it's like, whoa, like an above average backspin rate fastball, uh, plus or even plus plus curve slider, good numbers for a changeup. You know, it's like I didn't really put those kinds of things into perspective when I first made my list. And I didn't talk myself. I didn't hype myself into Hamill because of all these numbers. And, you know, now I kind of did. <laughs> but also, like, I think that's how we as at least the people who do talk about the major leagues on this podcast as well. Like, I look at those numbers for major leaguers as well as their how they play on the field, like how I watch them. Mm-hmm. So it's only natural that we want to do that for prospects, too. Like, that's just I know Lucas does it all the time. And also, I think you got to marry the two, like the oh, yeah. test and the numbers because there's some I t- like Eric Campbell was a numbers guy and he you could just clearly see that he he wasn't going to be actually good no matter what his exit velocity was and it's because they were reading it wrong and all that stuff but like <laughs> but still like sometimes there's the analytic dar- darlings and other sports that just they don't actually translate it to actual production and sometimes they do and it's you need to marry the two and I think when prospects are able to do that when we're able to do that with prospects we'll get better lists and just mm-hmm. more You'll be able to see those guys coming, like the Seth Lugos of the world. We would have seen him coming if we had this stuff, you know, just because how we would have seen the numbers. We would have known that that stuff is there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, you're probably going to say I'm crazy, and maybe I am crazy for saying this, but looking at his numbers and then just looking at other numbers and everything like that, you know who he actually lines up very favorably with? You ready Ooh. for this? Uh-oh. Max Meyer. Max Meyer. The ah, ooh, hear, boy. hear me out, hear me out, hear me out, bull take here. And I'm not saying that he is as good as Max Meyer, because he is not. There, are, There's one key difference, and it is a very key difference. But same age, same build, right-handers, very similar mechanics, weirdly enough. Um, you know, the, the surface numbers, strikeouts, and walks, very similar. Meyer has more of a track record in college. You know, obviously he was drafted a, a year earlier. Also, so he has professional experience now and good experience. The Marlins pushed him, but yes. um, Hamill sits in the low to mid nineties, like ninety to ninety four. He tops out like ninety five, ninety six. 
Mahler, on the other hand, sits like 93, 97, tops at 98. That's the big difference, and that's also a very major difference. I'm not going to say, oh, yeah, it doesn't matter because those couple of miles per hour do matter. But then when you look under the hood a little bit, Meyer's spin rate and Hamill's spin rate on the fastball, they're almost identical, 2,500 RPM. So you like to see that, you know, when your guy is very similar to a guy that is consensus like 25 to 40 in, in all of baseball this year. Um, Slider-wise, Hamill has a low 80s slider at that gyroscopic kind of bend, sits around 3,000 RPM. Meyer, his, his slider is a little different. It sits in the high 80s. But it has a little less spin uh, to it. It's 2,700 RPM. Change-ups, change-ups are weird. I mean, there's you have to have more than just like the spin rate. You need to look at it with conjunction, like the axis and the efficiency, all that kind of stuff that we don't have the data for. But Hamill's change spin, change-up spin rate, it's uh, 1,300. Whereas Myers is around 2,000. They're two different pitches. They do two for yeah. Why can't I talk? They do two different things. Um, a lower spin rate changeup, it kind of has that classic fade. Whereas a higher spin rate changeup, it has like that sudden jerk, like Devin Williams, where his changeup is kind of like okay, okay, okay. Yoink. Um, but you know, like I said, Meyer is a better prospect than Hamill is right now. But there's a lot to like when you see that your guy. You know, a lot of the the numbers under the hood are lining up with a guy like Meyer. And, you know, Hamill is a guy that is analytically minded himself. And he's open to using whatever, you know, at at the time at Dallas Baptist, whatever they could offer him. With the Mets, whatever they could offer him, which is hopefully more. But call me crazy, but I think that 2022 is going to be, you know, a lot of people are going to be shocked. That's uh, Look, if, pretty, if he's pretty Kirk, bold. If he's Kirkland Brands, <laughs> Mike my, I'm fine with that. Like, that's a good outcome for the Mets. Max Meyer like, has, like, probably the best breaking ball in the minors. This is a take. <laughs> we'll see. I'll have is to that not what we're here for, Lucas? Uh-huh. The takes. takes. Listen, Lucas is Mr. Hot Take Machine, so. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, Mr. Bad Take Machine, excuse me. <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> I'll have to remember all of this when we uh, do our projections for the season. Yes, yes. That's a fun one, though. Yep, here's here's wishing. All right, well, that is basically, that is wrapping up our uh, top prospect coverage for 2022. So, I mean, it's the beginning of February. We got, like, a month and a half to go before minor league baseball starts. So hopefully that uh, month and a half goes by flies by pretty quickly if anyone has any questions comments whatever you can send us an email at our email address from complex queens at gmail.com you can follow us on twitter and shoot us questions there i'm at steve Saipa. lucas is at elvajos 343 ken is at ken 1191 and thomas is at said met season szn subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from rate and review it and of course we thank you for listening And we will be back next week. So until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets.